In the basement of the mudflap house, flapping and poop. And they wonder where the razor moves. And poop licks itself, and flap contemplates many things. He thinks about guns and trucks and stooges three. Men and boys, and that doesn't sound right. He thinks about booze and bacon and power tools. Come with me, let your masculine. Oh, won't you come with me and remasculine? Aloha! Today's podcast is brought to you by Nature's Best CBD. Nature's Best CBD is a nationwide retailer of CBD and hemp products. They offer CBD oils, pain creams, skin lotions, supplements, and CBD pet products. Nature's Best CBD is located in beautiful Colorado and has been in business for seven years now. All of the hemp used in our products is proudly grown in the USA. So if you need something for pain, please check out Nature's Best CBD oil at naturesbestcbd.com. That's naturesbestcbd.com. And use the word mudflap or remasculate at checkout and get 10% off your total. That's naturesbestcbd.com. Aloha, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Remasculate. It's your host, Steve Mudflap McGrew. But you probably knew that already because you subscribed to this podcast. But if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found us. I hope uh, you have a good time here on the podcast. My show got started several years ago when I was watching TV and I realized uh, how bad they make men look on TV. Husbands can't ever do anything right. They're always fat and dopey, but oh, look at that beautiful wife who can do everything and anything and can prove just what an absolute moron that man is. Well, that's not the way it used to be and it's not the way it should be. Men should be men. Women can be women. It's a, It's been like that for years and uh I think that's part of the problem in America. We tried to feminize men. We we tried to make them into just uh, women without uh, the boobs. It's time to change that. And here to help me change that is my guest today, Gavin McInnes. Uh, a lot of you guys know Gavin because he started Vice and Magazine, website, the whole, you know, all of that stuff. Used to be seen on Fox News a lot. He was used to be seen on everything a lot till social media decided – Gavin is a monster. We must silence him. So they started throttling down on Gavin and kicking him off like Twitter and Facebook. But he just started his own stuff and started posting on uh, Parler and his own website, which is uh, censoredtv.com. But I'm happy to have Gavin back again today because, as I tell you in the podcast, you will hear this, but I'll tell you anyway. Gavin has been one of the biggest guests I've ever had on here. Oh, n- Maybe not name-wise. I've had a lot of celebrities on here, bands, uh, actors, singers. But what I mean by when Gavin is on this podcast, the listener numbers go through the roof. People love Gavin, and so do I. So let's catch up and see what's going on with Gavin during this whole quarantine, lockdown, can't go outside, don't breathe the air, put a mask on your face. It's dangerous out there. Is it? Let's find out. Let's talk to Gavin. Here he is, Gavin McInnes. How you been? Pretty good. Why don't we record this uh, for my site, too? Okay. Do you want to do that, Ryan? So you could make him big or whatever? No, but do some variety, like make him big and me small or whatever. That one in the, on your left, yeah. Possible? Can we get a little more headroom? Can we get a little more headroom on you? Sure. Let me uh, back this up here. Uh. Then you got to get the rafters of my – how's that? That's great. You recording? What's going on, Steve? Oh, not much. Just in uh, – I'm hunkered down, as they say. Your house looks like shit. Thank you. This <laughs> <laughs> this is my uh, my basement studio. Uh, there's just all kind of stuff down here. You got the plastic lining up? Uh, yeah, I've never finished the basement, so it's that's the insulation you see behind me. I'm one of those uh. people. This is basically a trailer park under a house. <laughs> just get the, that wood siding that we used to have in the 70s that's in the Calvin Klein underwear commercials. Oh, yeah, that, that luscious paneling. Yeah. <laughs> it 
It's better than white. I can't believe you hung a picture on plastic insulation. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, it's actually an old uh, Lone Star beer thing. And back there uh, on the other side is all backdrops I use for videos and stuff. Oh, I see. Right on. But, but uh, so, I don't. I don't have a massive multi-million-dollar set like you do there, dude. If you could see this room and how shitty it is, you would be the one laughing at me. Well, I know IKEA appreciates your purchases. <laughs> this has, I, I got this. I used this is an IKEA used table too. So we're at a hundred percent. I was joking. <laughs> but hold on a sec, Ryan. You can still – can you not still work on that uh, shit? Oh, poop. Uh, is there a way we can do this where you can still work on that shit? Hey, there's something I could do. All right. Let's just start, Steve. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. No, I guess we can't start. <laughs> what do you – I just got to send myself to this file. And get... Okay. Is that a Pee Wee Herman doll behind you? That is indeed, yeah. It's uh, – that's kind of kind of scary. My son was really into him for like a week because uh-huh. uh, we introduced to him to him and uh, uh, his – my mother-in-law will buy him whatever he wants at any time and she goes, I want to get him a peewee doll. He likes peewee. I go, no, no, peewee's over. Like the only dolls you'll find it are some collectors and she goes, no problem. So that's a $150 doll wow. that he played with like twice. <laughs> This yeah, is- I'm going to be having a, a museum of chronically famous peewees throughout history. <laughs> now I just need a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> you should switch us, Ryan. Well, I'm going to be facing this way because I'm going to work on these shirts. All right, let's start. <laughs> you, are, you are working on shirts. Are you designing shirts? Yeah, there was this protest. Uh, it's pretty funny. The, 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 are you recording now, by the way? I am. Okay, there was this protest of about six months ago now, where the mayor said, "Okay, the subways are out of control. I really screwed up. We got sixty thousand homeless here in Manhattan," and so he said, uh, "We're going to have to have more subway cops." For some reason, white liberals—the way they work—is and Black Lives Matter works like this: if there's a thing that hurts black people, then it's racist. So, like, say. You didn't have – you had your air conditioning too high and black people tended to want it to be warmer. Then the air conditioning is racist. you understand? <laughs> yes, gotcha. Or, or another example is say like the, the city went, holy shit, no one's paying their parking tickets. We're going to have to boot every car that doesn't pay their parking tickets. And if that disproportionately affected blacks, then it's a racist law. Right. didn't matter which law was broken or by who. No. It's just if it hurts that group, then it's against that group. It's child logic, really. So they said, okay, if you get more cops in the subway, more black guys are going to get busted. So uh, that's a racist law. So all these white liberals stormed the streets, like hundreds of them and hundreds of them, um, screaming, no cops. One of the things they were screaming was free subway. They want the subway to be free. Hmm. And how, was that, looked, how would that help anybody? I looked that up. No subways are free anywhere in the world. So anyway, um, one of the protesters uh, was this – It's it was mostly rich white girls uh, worried about black men. Um, but one of the girls I became obsessed with, she was in the crowd, and she's holding up a little sign. It's about four inches by four inches, and it's a piece of cardboard she cut out, and it says on it with white liquid paper, oink, oink, you monster. And she's – She's holding that at like not even high up, but sort of like by her face and bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, is it conceivable to have a more irrelevant gesture than a cardboard sign that says oink, oink, you monster? And it's gotten funnier because the subways now are unbelievable, like escape from New York levels, clothes piled to the ceiling. The number two train that goes to the Bronx, uh-huh. 100% of the cars are being used by bums as their little home. Oh, man. How are you guys going to clean that up? I mean, they're pretty industrial little boxes. It's not like there's any cushions. But, yeah, it's going to take, you know, industrial cleaner. There's there's shit and piss. Can I swear on this? Sure. There's shit and piss all over the, the ground. They're just defecating right there on the ground. 
And this bitch wanted the subways to be free and wanted less subway cops. Well, you got your wish. Now, is this T-shirt going to be a picture of her with that card or just that little saying? Yeah, no, I, I saw I couldn't decide, actually. But my problem with just oink, oink, you monster is some cop might see it and go, oh, great, more cop hate. Yeah, but so if, you, thought, if you have it with her picture. I have a drawing of her that I did, and then I'm having tears shoot out of her eyes. Uh, so it's clear we're mocking her. Right. And I'm making her pink. That usually is a kind of an anti-white thing. Yeah, that's why I, I always have liberal Larry in his pink hat. Because it screams, this is a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how you been? I've been good. I was I was staying busy up until this bullshit lockdown, you know. And, yeah. And now I'm totally confused. That was one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you on here. Because I have a couple of friends that live in New York City. And they're like, oh, it's, it's hell. It's ground zero. And then you talk to somebody else in South Dakota. And they go, this whole thing is crap. Nobody is sick. So, like, what what is your take on the on the whole thing? I I've been calling bullshit since day one. I think this is as bad as the flu. Uh, uh, we've we destroyed the economy. We're going to see a lot more deaths from poverty, and we've done permanent damage to the economy. This is this is the government overreacting. And what scares me is the government always expands; it never contracts. Right. Yeah. So they're going to have so, to have new departments to, for things. They've tasted power now, and they're going to—they love it. So, well, I have said the mask put us one step closer to covering our faces like Sharia law. Yeah. Well, De Blasio loves this. Like he just—he already gave his his wife eight hundred and thirty-five million dollars to start a company called Thrive. That's going to end racism in New York City, where it's a real problem. Uh, Dude, if you were a racist or an anti-Semite or a homophobe in New York City, you would have a hernia by noon. <laughs> you can get straight bashed in the West Village. This, it's not a problem. Homophobia is not a thing in New York City. But anyway, she did nothing with that, right? So that's almost a billion dollars. So he's just a, anointed her the czar of COVID-19 inequality. That's what I saw. Yeah, right. And she had already so, lost this money before, right? The money she was given before, there's no track of it. Why not double down? So now she's got all this extra money and uh, to fight racism <laughs> in, in, within the virus in New York City. So I, I, I'll tell you what. I'm pretty disappointed in Americans and how quick they are to capitulate and follow the rules. At the beginning, when it was like, let's try staying inside for a couple of weeks, you go, okay, yeah. if we're all on the same page, fine. But there was some vet who's really popular on, um, he's on Fox a lot, I forget his name, but he said, if you tell me that we're all going to stay inside for a little while to see if that helps, I'll do it. But the second the government tells me I have to stay inside, I'm running down the street with Jim Beam in my hand, screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> And that's where I'm at right now. I'm I'm flouting it. I don't wear a mask. When people yell at me, I say, my body, my choice. When I see them on their bikes or jogging with a mask, I just go, bah, bah. They're, they're sheep. Well, have you seen how now the masks have become fashionable? Like there are designers that are making masks for like 30, 40, 50 bucks I've been seeing. Like I, it's an accessory now. People are getting more paranoid. I'm seeing more people in their cars with a mask on and gloves. And I'm like, we're done with this now. How are you ramping it up? Well, did you see the video uh, of the d emergency room doctor that I guess supposedly was pulled now from YouTube where he was saying this is all crazy. We need to be exposed. We need the antibodies. We got to let this go. Yeah, and now and YouTube Elon, Musk, Elon Musk was into it. And then YouTube took it down. Hold on a sec, Steve. Okay. Why aren't you working on the video? I'm charging my computer. I could work in the room, but I figured out. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. So, I you know, I, I've read studies that said uh, it goes 40 days. Uh, it peaks at 40 days and dies in 70 days no matter what you do. We've seen countries like Sweden that didn't do any quarantining and they, they it, it didn't make them any worse. So... Can we just fucking relax, please? And and the, the left doesn't understand that poverty causes death too. True, true. They already they're living, you know, lives that are less healthy. 
and more huddled. And the nicer the neighborhood, by the way, the more dogmatic they are. That's a strange thing, too. Like in, in the Hasidic Jewish community in Williamsburg and then all the, the poor black neighborhoods in Brooklyn, East New York, Bushwick, they're all just partying like it's 1999. Nothing. <laughs> they never did any quarantining. And uh, I don't know if it's if it's worse for them. So you come out to the suburbs. I live in the suburbs now and uh, in Westchester and the 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 moms, the rich moms that could afford to stay indoors for a year are just fucking screaming at people and panicking on their little message boards. Yeah, we get the uh, here where I live. We have like a neighborhood board that sends out emails and stuff and. It's so funny. We get this, you know, could the man jogging in the brown shorts please cross over the street next time? I was so frightened. You know, it's like, are you, are you it's getting ridiculous. It really is. And it disturbs me that so many people seem to enjoy it. It makes me think that communism is a gene. It's a, it's in your DNA. And some people like being told what to do. They like the state and telling them when they can go out, when they can't go out. They like a culture of fear. And I think a lot of rich liberals in Manhattan, like comedians, uh, you know, that open mic comics. Yeah. I, I think a lot of them have rich parents and they've, they've, they've wired them like 20 grand. And so they're like, yeah, fuck it. I could do this forever. I'm watching Netflix and yeah, that's what I, that's what I think. I think a lot of people have already, were leaning toward a sedimentary, uh, lifestyle. So you got the big screen TV, you got the stuff in your house. And also the government tells you, why don't you just stay home? And you're like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't have, and that's the other thing too, with the death of the family, they don't have kids. So they don't understand that, you know, kids need to play. They need to see their friends. They don't need to see their friends. They see their friends on Twitter. Or they do the FaceTime. They keep – I saw commercials on TV for promoting, you know, like stay in touch. Use this app to talk to your friends. It's, <laughs> well, I, I think what the parents are going to figure out is that uh, they, the teachers weren't wrong about their kids. The kids weren't – you know, are the problem. It's not the teachers. What's yeah, the well, be in the house with them for a while? You know, I think a lot of us are learning that homeschooling isn't as hard as we thought. And I'm seeing my daughter's homework and and how fucking biased it is. Like to, this morning even, she was wa- watching – it was an MLK thing. And yeah, I wanted to learn about MLK. But it's all about how we were bombing black homes and, and churches in Birmingham in whatever it was, 1955 or something. And, uh, and the Peace Corps was so awesome and the Freedom Riders and all this stuff. And slavery, and then and then they, her, she had an assignment about this '50s housewife. You know those commercials where they're smiling and they have high heel shoes on. Oh yeah, it's yes, like, serving coffee to their man. Yeah, and it's like, what is this woman happy? If if not, why not? Or something like that. Like just constant feminist propaganda. White people are evil. We did all this horrible racist stuff, and you're just like, sweetie, there's a whole other side to this. Or even the movie Hidden Figures. That was one of her assignments. She had to watch Hidden Figures. And I'm like, sweetie, uh, the bathrooms were not segregated at NASA. That's a lie. Uh, these women were just really math janitors. They were just going, checking the numbers uh, on what a computer did to, to triple check to make sure everything was solid. They were just doing basic arithmetic, and they were black because it was cheap labor at the time. There's no hidden agenda here. These were not astronauts bursting to get out. In fact, the black community in general was against the space program. They oh, called I did. it Whitey on the Moon. I had never heard that. Yeah, there's a. They said, "Why are you spending all this money to go to outer space when the, you have these impoverished neighborhoods?" Totally makes sense at the time. You know, there's people that are starving, and why are you going? To, yeah, I can. Yeah, see I that. see their argument, but this rewriting of history that they were these brilliant black female scientists that we didn't give the time of day is just. If NASA had a black female scientist, she'd be in the front window, and they'd be pointing at her. <laughs> Look, what we did. <laughs> she'd have been used in every NASA movie. Oh my God! They put her on the front of this. Her face would be painted on each spacecraft. Yes, it would not have been Ron Howard's brother in every Control Board movie. <laughs> yeah, they 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 seem to have back when it was just guys with ties and short sleeve dress shirts. They seem to really have accomplished a hell of a lot more than today. When you see it's just a bunch of fat chicks. <laughs> yeah, you know i I grew up down in in Houston, down by NASA, and one of my friends' dad was one of the guys 
on NASA, the white shirt tie guys. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But hanging around the house, he was like anybody's dad. I, you know, I never saw him as like, he is a brilliant guy that sits at a computer and watches the, you know, the trajectory. trajectory. Yeah. But, well, that's that's the way it was for us as kids, right? We I didn't even know what my dad did. His, his business card said manager of fire control, and I always thought that was fires. But then I found out later it was like the physics of shooting a cannon because he worked in the defense stuff. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so, but no, none of us knew. Jimmy Kimmel was talking about that the other day. He said, we none of us knew what our dads did. He just went to work and came home and was in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, what does your dad do? He works. That's what he does. Like my, I, I remember my dad's business card. I think it just said sales engineer. <laughs> like, what is a sales engineer? I know he sold uh, highway construction equipment, like cranes and and steam presses and right. that kind of engines and things. But I did as a kid, like sales engineer would mean nothing to. What your dad do? Sales engineer. Oh, cool. Yeah, and no one would ask you. No one cared. <laughs> Nobody what cared what your dad did. <laughs> All of them, back then it was my dad could beat up your dad. Yes, that was a big one. Also, get off my property. Uh, this isn't your property. This is the government's property. I'm standing by the sidewalk. No, this, your property ends here. And then it's the sidewalk. The, this is the city. And then the ditch here is the city too. I'm not standing on your property. No, this is more my property than your property. It's funny Don't you said that. Cause I remember as a kid, there was the yard sidewalk and then another piece of grass between the street, yeah. between the street. Right. And everybody would stay on the other side of the curb and go, I'm not in your yard. Yes, yeah, I'm yes. not in your. You're just so. Who's supposed to take? I cut that grass. It must be mine. <laughs> what a weird thing to argue about, too. The other thing we always did as kids was describe the fight we're about to have, oh, which yeah. never, which never happened. It was like I would go down, I would punch you right here, get you right on the button. Then when you went down, I'd knee you in the head. There's always a knee in the head. <laughs> and then the other guy goes, "No, I would deke that right, and then I would come in and break your ribs." And then when you went down, I I would and this was the this is how you killed people. You would palm them up like that, oh, and yeah. the nose bone goes into the brain, and you're instantly dead. And I'll shoot your nose right into your brain. <laughs> right. And then my brother one day, when we were old, like twenty, he goes, uh, "Wait a minute, there is no nose bone. Look at his skeleton." <laughs> Like there's no there's, pencil sitting there with a point waiting to impale a brain. It's sharp cartilage though, right? It could be. Nope. Nope. That's not going up into any brain. Well, I remember fights being described as I will tear your arm off and beat you to death with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was I will tear your head off and shit down your neck. That was another one of the <laughs> – We were talking yesterday about – did you have where, – where did you grow up? Down Houston, right? Down around Houston, yeah. Texas boy. Did you guys have fights scheduled like you have to fight Clinton Badecki – tomorrow or after school today in this certain area oh yeah yeah that's i remember there was a movie several years ago called three o'clock where they're supposed yeah. to meet after school and i related to that because i had but kids would come by and punch in the arm and go meet me after school at three like, oh no <laughs> then you gotta wait all day you gotta wait all day to like oh it was the worst because you, you have the worst case scenario running through your head all day it was much worse than the fight the fight was only like 10 seconds and then break it up one-on-one. -on -one yeah. All that. Well, I when I was little, my, we moved to a uh, a smaller town outside of Houston. I was little. I was probably 13 at the time. And uh, I became the the new kid. And I had longer hair and John Lennon round glasses. And they would tease me about you know being a, a hippie and all this kind of stuff. And so this kid used to pick on me a lot. And I came home and I told my dad. And my dad said, well, you got to go fight him. You got to go. You got to what? And my brother. Why did I tell you? Yeah, me, my dad made my brother take me down to this kid's house and one of my <laughs> other brother's friends. And they stood around and made us fight. And uh, then he and I became friends. The guy I fought yeah. and I became friends. Yeah, that's always the way that that's how you meet your best friend. Usually. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. The, the kids don't do that anymore. And it may be. That's why they're so weak and so scared of confrontation. Like you'll notice when there's some sort of controversy, right? Um, the this this guy, like the NASCAR guy, where his dad said the N word in the '80s and he lost his sponsorship immediately, right? Because you're responsible for what your dad said 30 years ago. Um, but I was like, why do people just capitulate like that and say fire him? 
rather than just get a bunch of letters. And I think it's because they're scared of confrontation because this next generation post-Gen X didn't fight. In any way, yeah, we we fought. We fought for our girlfriends. We fought. I actually had a fight. Uh, a guy came down the hall in junior high school, and he he kind of grabbed my girlfriend's boob, like just get, <laughs> and kept and kept walking. And uh, she, she was all upset. And she told me about it. Well, we had a Dairy Queen across the street from the school. So after school, I walked over there. I saw him. I tapped him on the shoulder, and when he turned around, I just hit him in the face. That was the way that I won a fight was by surprise because I was always smaller. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was like don't do it again and everybody's like oh my god you took him on you know but i did it by yeah kind of cheating yeah that's fair all's fair in love and war that's what they say right i i didn't realize how healthy all that conflict was until i'm now i'm 49 and i'm like oh we needed that that was good what well, you see the the People avoiding all conflict now, even like in restaurants. Send your steak back. No, I don't want to cause a trouble. Well, that's not the way you want it. Nah, it's okay. Like, no, sit, this is a $40 steak. Send it back. Well, I think it's part of the the, the matriarchy. We're living in a, a much more female time, and it, females don't like confrontation. And, and men have sort of taken on that uh, that culture. Well, that was why the whole point of this podcast got started as remasculate years ago. Cause I thought, but that's, we see it going down. Every man in a sitcom is an idiot. The wife is smart. The kids are, oh. are idiots. You know, the, the wife's brilliant with the kids. The husband can't teach them. Obviously can't feed them. And I thought, like I, even, don't, I grew up with father knows best and leave it to Beaver and the dads ruled the house. Yeah. They weren't idiots. Like look at Homer Simpson. He must have an IQ of like 60. Yeah, and and works at a nuclear plant. You should see this cartoon. I know it because I have kids, but it's called Gumball. Never even and heard of that one. Yeah, the the it's 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 on Nickelodeon, and the dad is a rabbit, and the kid is a cat, and his best friends of his fish. But the dad is way worse than Homer Simpson. Like he walks through walls, and he doesn't know how to open a fridge. I mean, it's it's almost a parody of this anti dad culture we're living in. But I don't know, man. I had uh, Nick Searcy, the actor, on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yep. And he and I were talking about how great uh, the TV was back with, like, Gunsmoke and the Westerns and Right and, right and Wrong. And uh, he goes, you can watch them now, and they stand up. And I was saying, maybe it's time to bring some stuff like that back. Have you ever thought like that? Like. Well, I'm banished from any from the entertainment industry forever. Well, I've been yeah, I know that, on and on grata. That was one but of the things. You know what's that funny was one about of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Is, you know what's funny about all that stuff is there is clearly a market for that. Like, remember American Sniper? Mm-hmm. That movie grossed more than all other movies that year combined. Right. So but, people like these movies. They just don't get released. Is Nick's abortion movie getting released? Uh, yeah, it it made it. It it was out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even hear about it. He's trying to re- get some new new stuff together. He was actually talking about wanting to try to put together a conservative network, like, you know, a smaller network, but it's all designed for conservative stuff. He said there's so many actors and producers and writers out there that, that they could probably yeah, get well, done. Yeah, we, we did it with Censor.TV. There's InfoWars is getting banned into oblivion. Uh, the Blaze merged with CRTV. They're Blaze.TV now. Daily Wire's got a ton of people. Who else? Now, is Blaze still is – is that still a paid thing? Because I yes. know I got the Pluto TV app and Blaze TV is on it. And I thought, well, I thought that was a subscription deal. Well, I don't know about your app. Maybe it has a deal with them. But they put some shows on YouTube for free as sort of an advertisement. So I think Roaming Millennial, I think she's free. But uh, other shows – you, you, you can only get behind the paywall. Yeah. But a lot of those shows that you and I are talking about here are, are like the, the talk shows or televised podcast where I think right. I think we should have more like just, you know, TV shows where actors like a, a, a remake oh, of Gunsmoke yeah. or Bonanza. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's a fuck ton of money, though. Don't you think there's some rich conservatives that would love to start doing something like that? Well, they better be billionaires. <laughs> well. I, I was I overheard some rich investors talking about 
buying some shitty channel that no one watches, uh, like uh, some one of those old movie channels that, mm-hmm. that just is sitting there on 850 or whatever, and then taking it over and slowly changing it from what it was to uh, a newer thing. I mean, the, the beauty of these kind of things is they're so cheap. Right. But putting the, like building a Western, holy crap! Yeah, because all those ta- all those uh, towns are gone. Basically, all those sets have been torn down or removed. I can't think of any uh, Western set that still survived. There was a, a thing on YouTube that somebody had gone to do a tour of the old Gunsmoke set, and there's only like two or three buildings that are still left out on that prairie thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Glenn Beck's building was a movie studio. I think that was his plan, was to make Blaze not just a talk show, but have motion pictures and all kinds of stuff. But I don't know why it didn't pan out. Well, the religious movies seem to be making money. Yeah, I've never watched one. Me neither, but they always seem to be doing well. (laughs) Like, like, you know, what was the one about the drowning kid? I heard that actually did very well. So you pronounce it drowning? Drowning, drowning. How did I say that? Sorry, it's drowning. You said drowning. Drowning. He drowned. <laughs> it's past tense and present tense at the same time. Yeah, that's my Texas coming out. <laughs> I'm drowning. Where are you now? <laughs> I'm in Denver, Colorado. I live there here now. Oh, what's that like? Uh, it's beautiful. The skies are blue. It's gorgeous. But you look out the window and you go, "How is this something this beautiful going to kill us if we go outside without a mask?" Yeah. Yeah. What's can I ask you something? What is with yeah, that fucking mural in your airport with like people pointing guns at children? And the- I, I don't know. And there's the German like the German soldier in the mask with the kids and the whole the gas mask. Yeah. And what is that apoc- apocalypse? I, Who has an apocalypse mural in their airport? I know. And then well, what about the big blue devil horses out in front of the whole airport with the red glowy eyes? It's the everybody has this theory that the Denver airport is an underground shot right to the lizard people, you know? Well, I that you know that uh, the the real serious like conspiracy theory Freemason, all that Illuminati dudes. Yeah, they talk about your airport all the time. Do they really? Oh yeah. Because in fact, a lot of them say Colorado's a good place to live. It's pretty free, but man, that airport, something's going on with them. Something bad. Yeah. When I was a radio DJ here in Denver, we they were building the airport, and we had some guys talk about how they had to work in shifts under the airport, and we're like, why? They go, well, they just said. Nobody needs to know what's really going on. So you'd work a few days and then somebody else would come in and like, oh, let's more add more to the conspiracy. Wow, that's juicy gossip. Yeah. One of the rumors is it runs straight from uh, DIA to NORAD. There's supposed to be a, a oh, connection. right. You guys have that big mountain with the little tiny door in it. Yeah. Huh. We got what is that again? NORAD. Norad's in, in Colorado. You no, know, but that building, that's that's the Norad building? In Colorado Springs, yeah. And it's nuclear war proof and everything? Yeah, it's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, so you must have an underground tunnel that goes from that to the airport. Yes. And that's where the the Lum- Illuminati and the lizard people and the uh, – supposedly <laughs> they've got children under there that they, they drain the blood. You know, it's funny. We I always laughed at those people and I laughed at flat earthers and I laughed at the – Three three shooters for Kennedy. Yeah, I don't nine eleven truthers. I laughed at, and in the past like three years, I'm open to not flat Earth, but I'm open to a lot more stuff. Yeah, me too. Because like, I- I'm open to China making this virus on purpose and then sending five million people out to Western countries to spread it. I wouldn't put it past them. You know, I, I today I read the thing about the Intel community says that. It was not a, a man-made virus. Did you, did you see that? The Intel no. community says. And I was like, you know, before I might have believed that. But the Intel community said that General Flynn was guilty and that Trump had done all yeah. this Russian stuff. So I don't believe shit from the Intel community anymore. I mean, some, no. something needs to happen to restore that faith, don't you think? Yeah, I don't believe in any fucking community anymore. Like the the global community. I remember when I was in Israel, I was being going on a tour with this uh, Arab Christian. And Arab Christians uh, feel the same way uh, about Jews that uh, the Arabs do. They just don't like Israel because it's doing so well. They must be cheating. Um, 
and he was talking about the wall that Israel put up, which is fantastic, and it's brought terrorism down to zero. And he's, he says, the international community has told them to take it down, and they will not listen. And I'm like, the international community, what, like Romania? <laughs> that's Romania, the, that's they the get H- sticks and they smash cop cars <laughs> and come to arrest their son for killing some fucking baby. The way you said it, it just made me realize that the international community is the HOA of the world. Yes. You you are not allowed to have that flag up. You your yeah. trash cans have set out too long and that wall does not look good. The the United Nations appointed Saudi Arabia as the head of the Human Rights Council. Yeah, it's now, illegal now cover, now cover your face there. and don't drive. Yeah. Yeah, you can't it's you go to jail if you kiss a man if you're if you're gay. You cannot drink one you'll go to jail if you drink a beer. Like fuck that place. How have we stayed in that as long as we have and all of that? Because America was never like that. What? How did America get so far down the line that, that we did just, you know, didn't John Wayne them? Get out. We're not. This isn't us. Yeah, it seems. Well, that's what's great about Trump. And that's what's great about this whole virus is it's like a recalibration where everyone's sort of like, what, what's been going on? I've, that's how I felt with 9-11 after I saw those planes. And I never cared about Muslims or Islam before that. Right. And then after. And I went, wait, what's been happening now? What What is this religion? I thought it was like the Nation of Islam with the cute little bow ties and Malcolm X, in a you know, beat, making in a pie. black guys cool. And then public enemies, did, like sidestepping dancers, whatever. But th- then I found out, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous religion, especially when it the numbers get big. But anyway, I think we're ha- getting that with China now. We're saying, I think Americans, your average Joe on the street is going, wait a minute, they make 98% of our pharmaceuticals? That's yeah. a lot. And if we need drugs, we won't be able to get them. And we need surgical masks, and they make them, and we can't get them. And the World Health Organization is run by a, a communist despot who had death squads in Ethiopia that would kill his own people? Huh. And the Chinese make all of our phones, and we don't know if they put a, a bug in it that sends everything back to them? Yeah, why can't we take the battery out anymore? It yeah. permanently stays in? Yeah, what happened to that? How, why did the hard drive that I buy for $69 that come from Taiwan? <laughs> I was just talking to, to a, my buddy in prison, speaking of the FBI, who uh, <laughs> he was he's doing four years for a 17-second fight with Antifa that pissed off the DNC. So they turned him into like a hate group guy. And he, we were talking about this Tennessee Valley uh, uh, company. And Trump brought it up the other day. No one had ever heard of it before, but this guy is a bureaucrat and he makes $8 million a year uh, facilitating the power from dams to various clients. He's a bureaucrat. He's not, not the private sector and he's making $8 million a year. So I think now, just like 9-11, all these Americans are going, what's China's role? Wait, wait. How- homeschooling is this easy and you've been teaching my kids this much bullshit wait closed borders would have prevented this wait the who gets how much of our money wait the un gets how much of our money and there's like seven or eight things at least 10 things i should say where the no americans had ever thought of before that are now at the forefront of their minds and i think that's a good thing yeah now along with the chinese thing now remember a while back how hong kong was uh or protesting or riots, and they're wear, they're wearing "Make America Great" hats and Trump. All of a sudden, we don't hear much out of that anymore. With this, do you think? No. That, do you think that was sort of a uh, we got to get them down? That's totally possible. I never thought of that before, but it, it was very embarrassing for them to constantly see Chinese police kicking the shit out of uh, Hong Kong. Uh, residents and they have free speech in Hong Kong, so they were filming it and showing it, much mm-hmm. to China's chagrin. And that has totally been eradicated. Yeah, I remember. Th- I think one of the last things I saw was that guy in China who kind of made a, a meme where somebody went, uh, "China asshole." Don't trust China. China is an asshole. China asshole. <laughs> <laughs> have they you had ever, him on? Have you ever Abby been? To- Yamini had him on his show recently. And it was kind of a bummer to see him in real life because it, it ruined the mystique. Oh, because he was just a hero at that little clip. Yeah, he is a hero. He's a wonderful man. <laughs> China is asshole. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? Uh, 
No, I've been, but I've been all over China and Taiwan. I've never been and to China, but Hong Kong. I, I've wor- I used to work there several times doing stand up, and I loved Hong Kong. It was like England with Asian people. You know, it was like great. But the humidity. Yes, that's like being murdered. <laughs> I mean, that's true of all of China. What were you doing there? Stand up comedy? Yeah, I was doing stand up. They have a they have a club there called Takeout Comedy that it's kind of specializes in all for all the expats. You know, there's a lot of Brits and Australians and Americans over there. Cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, I was I was really surprised. The first when I got hired to go over there, I thought, I don't how are they gonna understand? Do they get all of our jokes? And you get over there and you're like, Oh, it's full of people that are like, We are so glad you speak English here. <laughs> that's that's an expensive gig to fly an American all the way to the other end of the world. Yeah, it is. It was basically the cl- the club kind of did it as a uh, here's your paid vacation to Hong Kong kind of deal. Right, right. So when do you think you're going to be able to get back to work? I don't know. I you know I was doing a lot of cruise ships too. So right that that industry is way on hold and maybe forever. I'm worried about it. Actually, I don't know. I, and if, even if it comes back, even if the ships say, okay, we're back in business, how quick are people going to be like, yeah, let's do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one thing for it to be legal. It's another thing for people to want to take the risk. Did you ever hear that Louis C.K. bit about uh, cruise ship comedians? No. Uh-uh. He, he said he's talking to his daughter and, and his, daughter is, his daughter said, why do, you make, why do you hate cruise ship comedians? And he goes, oh, they're hacks. They're you're, they're useless. They're not real comedians. And she goes, but they have to entertain like young people and old people all at the same time. Well, yeah. And then she goes, so their job's actually harder than yours. And then he just goes, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Well, I'm not. I'm not doing the story justice, but it's true. I remember we went on a Disney cruise, which I hated, but uh, I was really impressed that the comedian could do jokes that had adults and kids laughing at the same time. I can't do that. Yeah, that's that's one of the tricks you actually. I was nervous when I first started doing it, and when uh, I put off being a cruise comic for a long time because I always heard that same thing. You know, hey, the shuffleboard. Let's make jokes about the size of the room and that kind of thing. And right. they had reached out and said, no, we, we want to do real comedy. That's why we're li- reaching for comics. We want to do comedy on the ships the way a club does because that's what people are used to now. And, right. And so, you know, like, okay, I can do that. And then the more you do it, you realize, okay, there is a real mix. Like they said, there's younger people, there's 20s, and then there's 80-year-old. And right. it took a few few tries you go okay now i got this i know what makes this work everybody has a crock pot you know everybody you start finding common denominators that you can joke about right i remember one of the jokes he was talking about star wars or something and he was doing c3po and he said you'll try walking with your butt cheeks glued together and uh me and and my four-year-old we've never laughed at the same thing before and he just like fell down like face into his knees yeah and i it was it's never happened before or since but I had, uh, I had uh, me and my four-year-old laughing at the same joke. Weird. Now, don't you think? What's a, what's a, what's a typical pay? Don't you don't have to say your pay, but what's a typical pay for these cruise comedians? Uh, typically, two thousand to thirty-five hundred is the range. It depends on the number of shows and the you know how long the cruise is and stuff like that. And what's the typical time you're away? Uh, a week. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And and then every, everything on the ship is free, of course. Yeah, get your food, room, and everything. You get a 20% off your beverages, you know. Dude, on the Disney cruise, I spent $1,500 in, uh, I think, three days. Uh-huh. Because I wasn't paying attention. I was just like, bring me a beer. Yeah. And, I didn't and they come by, with the tra- like, come by with the tray by the pool. Would yeah. you care for another? Oh, sure. Yeah, whatever. Sure, I'll have another $12 beer. You should see the people, I don't know if you noticed any of them, that have the freak out at the counter on the very last day. When they get their bill, those people are like, I did not. Yes, you did. I did. Who had this? They're arguing amongst themselves. Who who bought this? Such a racket, man. I I, I saw people that would put like vodka into water bottles because they watch what you bring in, too. Mm -hmm. So they're smuggling booze in. And then if you bring wine to the table, they have that corking fee where to cork the wine, they charge you like 30, 40 bucks. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I don't drink. So I didn't know that one. You don't drink? No, I don't drink. I quit uh, 33 years ago. 
Why do all? Why are all comedians in AA? Because <laughs> we all have, we're kind of messed up to begin with, and right. yeah. And I guess you get paid in booze. Yeah. So well, back back in the eighties, a lot of them got paid in booze and cocaine. Right. They were like, uh, I know we're supposed to pay you a thousand dollars for you take five hundred in cash and free bar and a little of this. Okay. Well, you feel like I talked to a musician about this once, and he said. It, when you get when the bar the bar gives you like a, a two two four as we say in Canada um, of beer and you don't drink it you feel like you're ripping yourself off right yeah they, so you're pounding back all this booze because it's part of your pay yeah it's kind of like Ross and Friends where you steal all the shampoo and soap to make up for the room charge <laughs> yeah fuck yeah. <laughs> it it's designed they design you to be an alcoholic I honestly don't I can't think of a comedian that. That drinks. I can't. The, the, no, I can't. The ones either. I can think of drink a ton. And are they good? Are they really good? Well, I'm thinking of Jay Johnson. He's not. He doesn't do stand-up comedy, but he does. He was in Mr. Show, and he was in the Sarah Silverman program. He was the cop. He's possibly, no offense, the funniest guy in the world. Uh, but uh, he drinks so much that if I'm with him, the next day is just AIDS patient. Like I have to go to the hospital. <laughs> Well, one of the guys that I thought was always pretty funny that I worried about was Artie Johnson. Uh, not Artie Johnson. Artie um, – Artie Lang. Artie Lang. Artie Johnson was laughing. Ar yeah, Artie Lang. Because that dude was super funny, but you're like, man, you got you to gotta chill. Have, have you seen his fucking nose? I did in a picture, and I didn't know that could actually happen. Yeah. What they do is – I mean it's it's toxic, right, this, this cocaine. He would do a line of coke and then chill, maybe have a beer, and then a line of heroin. Oh. And he was in a shitty fucking apartment where his side table was an air conditioner. And this this guy was making like three mil a year with Stern. Right. And so he blew all that on drugs and gambling and uh, did so. So all the horrible, toxic shit that they mix with coke and heroin eventually withered away his uh, the nose bone that you stick into. Yeah, your the, brain. I'll kill you with that thing. Yeah. The what the hell is that called again? The septum. The septum. He, he dissolved it to nothing. So now his nose just hangs down. Well, couldn't you go get one of those little Michael Jackson things stuck in there? That's what I'm screaming. I'll pay for it. Like, isn't it just like a little piece of plastic? Yeah. He looks like a fucking freak. But now he wears it as a badge of honor? Or I don't understand what he's doing. Maybe they have to wait a little while. I mean, he looks like Mike Tyson practiced on him his entire career. <laughs> oh, man. And he's sober now, so he's pretty healthy, and he's tanned and in shape, and he's, a, he's I think, a quarter Indian. That's a nice mix. That's what my kids are. He's a he's a handsome man, but uh, not without a septum. <laughs> Jesus, who do you think are the funniest guys in the world? Um, well, the funniest to me, I was a giant Sam Kennison fan. That was one of my favorite uh, guys. I started with him, and uh, but as far as the the guys that I looked up to as a kid, I was a big Jonathan Winters. I love Jonathan Winters because. The, uh, his improv was amazing just to be able to pick up something and do 20 minutes on it. Right. Yeah. It's funny when you see like Rolling Stone publishes the list of the top comedians in the country. I know. And it like most of them, some of them won't, won't even have a special out and they'll totally ignore any blue collar comedy. Jeff Foxworthy doesn't exist. Yeah. Larry, the cable guy doesn't exist. And you think it's sort of like, um, when the New York times does their bestsellers they just get rid of all the romance novels and spy thrillers, even though those totally outsold everything else on the list. Yeah. So it's this strange little – well, it's really based on liberal at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's – a lot of those things when you see those were like 10 comics you need to hear of. And you're like, I've never heard of any of them. I don't know where they work. <laughs> you know, keeping the, – the, these are the new big up-and-coming comics. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, when you look at Twitter and the the trending stand up comics, they, none of them, a lot of them are women, but not one of them has balls, and that's a relatively new thing. Like I would say that Boston scene with Sarah Silverman and David Cross and Louis C.K. and Bob Odenkirk, that scene was the beginning of the pussy comedian. But they weren't really pussies. They would take risks and and have interesting stuff to say, and Louis still does. But uh. Now you you have these guys that are just such weak, sad little men. 
Well, that like there's zero balls. A lot of them now, if you watch the younger, newer stand-up comics, they don't really have uh, jokes. They're more like the setups and the premises you're supposed to relate to. So the, the punchline is not there to offend anybody. They're not making fun of anything because, you know, the uh, punchline is a, a victim. Comedy has to have a victim. A punchline is yes is a victim. Well, I guess that's why it sucks so bad now is they brought women in and, and women aren't mean spirited generally. So they don't have that same kind of edge. Every time I watch female comics these days, I end up feeling really bad for them. Like they talk about booty calls and how lonely they are and they just eat Hagen dazs and yeah. Nikki Glazer's talking about getting face fucked all the time. And you're just like, Jesus. I guess woman. I'm just going to be a crazy cat lady. I can't get a date. Yeah, they say that with pride now, and you think I, I don't give a shit about you. I'll never see you, but that's sad. Well, didn't uh, what was her face? Amy Schumer didn't her last special have this whole thing about like I have a stinky one. Did you hear? Did you ever see that or hear it? Like she <laughs> oh. made this whole thing about oh my vagina is a, a, not my friend. It's got a it's got an odor. Yeah, we did a segment on that the other day where we broke down like seven female comedians and the disgusting shit they do. And it's gross out comedy is a big part of their stuff. And I noticed that too with SNL. There's a, this is a little bit off topic, but they don't want to offend blacks or Jews or anyone, but kid fucking and incest is still okay. I guess kids don't have a lobby and they can't complain. Now, I don't mind a pedophile joke if it's in a raunchy set with racist jokes and anti Semitic, anti white, whatever, just a bunch of offensive jokes. Yeah. Then it seems like normal. This guy's just being gross. Got it. But uh, when all your other jokes are safe and then there's this incest joke stuck in the middle of the show, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, the incest jokes I never got are the rape jokes. Remember a while back, everything was a rape. You had to ha have a rape joke. Almost every comic yeah. had – you're like, <laughs> I never got that. I don't understand how that's even semi-funny. Uh, well, the left loves it when someone is going to jail, right? And they say, you're going to have fun with Bubba. You're like, you're talking about a man getting raped in the anus, possibly bleeding to death. Uh, I don't really see that as funny. Do you do all clean? I don't think I've ever heard you do really raunchy stuff. No, I do a little of, uh, of both. I actually have a brand new album that just came out this week. It's called Toxic Masculinity. It's on 800-pound uh, Gorilla Records, and uh, uh, it's it's a combo. I, I, I used to try to work a little bit of right in the middle, right in the very middle. But now I uh, I do an adult show and a clean show, so that, that doing ships has kind of trained me to go. What do I do? Do forty five minutes for family? Okay, now here's my other show, and people are like, "Wow, I didn't expect that out of you after seeing the other." You know, so it's fun. It's oh, fun cool. to be that that diverse. You know, you can switch it up. Yeah. Do you live alone? No, I'm I'm married. Oh, where is she now? She is working from home. She runs an HR department or works in an HR department. And so she's upstairs in her office doing resumes and hiring. Do you have uh, kids? Uh, I have a, a a son who is married and has kids. Wow, you're old. Yes, sir. <laughs> you're a granddad. I'm a, I am a granddad. You're lucky you held on to your hair this long. How old are you? I am uh, just turned 63. Oh, you look pretty good. Yeah, thank you. You're sexy. Thank you. Yeah, my wife is 25 years younger than me. I think that's why it uh, oh, keeps it that so, way, too. Wait a minute. So th this must be a new wife. Yes. Ah, I see. Yeah, uh, this is my uh, uh, fourth. She didn't have your son when she was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she, uh, she is my fourth. Fourth wife. Oh, you're fourth. Fourth. That's a Texas thing, right? It, yeah. Yeah. But you don't – you always hear about people getting multiple divorces, and in your head you can't think, how, how does that happen? How does somebody just do that? Until it happens to you and you go, hey, it's really easy. A couple of them cheat on you, you know. Doesn't that snip your savings in half every time every, though? Every freaking time. That's so why if I've, 10 I, divided by 2 is 5. <laughs> 5 divided by 2 is 2.5. 2.5 divided by 2 is 1.25. Uh, that's 3. We've done it three times, right? So you're down to 1.25. Yeah. Actually, I do this joke in my ex sometimes. Like you get divorced, you lose half your shit. You get divorced a second time, you lose half your shit. I'm not a mathematician, but two halves is everything. <laughs> yeah. 
I wonder, like Howard Stern and all these other guys, I guess they are Jeff Bezos, right? He just got divorced. Oh, big time loss. I actually calculated using the number of times an average married couple has sex. And it's more obviously more at the beginning and then it peters out. Uh, and I think I calculated that every lay she had with him was uh, worth 160 grand. That's some golden cooch. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> she, she slept, I guess she got like uh, 50 billion. And she slept with him X amount of time. So you just do the math. Did you see who he who he cheated with? Yes, a slutty Latina. Mm. Can't blame him. So you're going with the trade up then? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, she's more attractive. Yeah, definitely. She's sexier. Okay. I, no, so? no, I have to agree with you. I just, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I didn't see it. Or, you know, she, his wife was so, you always hear that anyway. The wife was so much prettier, you know. She was when they met, but, you know, women age. <laughs> So, so and men don't look at us. Look at us. We we just got prettier with age. We're like uh, Robert Plant. Well, that's the beauty of a beard and glasses. Like you can put a lot of shit on your head to hide your face. <laughs> well, maybe that's what this mask thing is doing. They're trying to equalize us with covering more of our face with uh, with medical masks. And yeah, but this is the medical mask is where I'm my youngest. I, it's the eyes that give away the age. I need sunglasses and a hat. Then you're Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I got to wrap this up soon because we got to <coughs> finish these T-shirts by four o'clock. Well, tell everybody now that you've sort of disappeared from so much of the media, because that's where I was going to I was going to ask you anyway, because everybody misses you. I, I, you know, I say something about it, I'm going to try to get Gavin. on. Oh, I miss seeing him on Twitter. Oh, I miss. Do you miss all the social media that you you had? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm on Telegram. And Parlor, and I'm still on YouTube for some reason, and I have my own network, Censored.tv. So I still get that uh, creative release, you know, that that um, inspired ejaculation. But uh, it is an effective marketing tool. So, so I'm like, I didn't know you had an album out because I used to follow you on Twitter, and I would always see that there. Yeah, people don't know that I have Censored.tv uh, because I can't advertise it. Exactly. And that's why I've heard people say that Twitter cannot be defeated because nothing is Twitter. Like everybody's going, well, we need to start our own. It's not Twitter. It doesn't – it's never yeah, going to beat you, it. You can't compete. I mean I had a quarter million followers on Twitter. I have 20,000 on Parler and like 9,000 on Telegram. Uh, but you know, you, you, you just got to keep moving. Like these Groiper kids, they, they get kicked off of everything and they just keep – now they're on TikTok. A uh, little girl's dance thing. They're doing their live stuff there. Um, and, and it's amazing how they're still not satisfied, Big Tech, with my censorship. Like, there's weird stuff going on. I'm getting subscribers in New Zealand telling me that the videos won't play. And they've been blocked. We've been blocked in Britain by Sky, uh. which is a provider. So, like, the equivalent of Verizon here mm -hmm. is blocking my website. And if you – here's another th way they're doing it. If you are in a private DM on Facebook with someone – and you say, I enjoy watching censored.tv, the message won't send. It it reads the words that's got a scanner kind of deal? Yeah. yeah. Try it. DM someone on Facebook. I can't I, – you can't DM me. I'm banned. And, but, and put censored.tv in and they'll say, sorry, your comment violates guidelines. This is a private message. Well, this will help get the, your, your word out at least a little bit and, uh, you know, getting censored TV. Censored – what was it? Censored – Censored.tv. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to keep fighting. You know, I've been through this a million times. I started Vice in 94. I've seen computers. I've seen the Internet be born, you know, as far as the, how much it gets used. I remember Google coming out. I remember Photoshop. Uh, this is this is just another up and down blip yeah. in the history of media. Do, do you remember actually seeing the yellow pages for the Internet back in the early 90s? Did you ever have one of those? No, I didn't. It, it was, was it was like a little book like the yellow pages. And you looked up. There was only so many websites at the time. If you needed tires, you looked tires, and there'd be like all these, you know, websites. It was really. <laughs> I found one in, in a box not long ago, and I was like, "Man, this is so long ago." People couldn't even relate to only, you know, four tire stores online. Right. I remember someone told me that I should get Vice dot com, and I said, "Well, how much is it?" And they go, "It's hundred bucks." They go, hundred dollars? Are you out of your mind? Tell them to fuck off." <laughs> My, I think the the eventual price for that ended up being like three hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. 
Well, man, I'm so glad you could do this again. I appreciate you coming on and uh, spending some time with us again. Yeah, sorry I have to cut it short. It's a it's a busy day. That's okay. Uh, as you know, you have probably are no, you are the biggest uh, listen podcast that I have ever had on here. With all the actors and singers that I've had on, you have been the biggest listen to podcast. So, oh, cool. Yeah, that's why I was happy to get you back. People well, love it- their Gavin. I'll put it on all my ghetto social media for the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, man. And stay safe and wash your hands there. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. See ya. Come with me, let your mask you leave. Oh, won't you come with me? 